All right, welcome back to another episode of Rip Thrill Podcast. It is episode ISO 2. Off the bat, I will apologise to everybody. Uh, we are back by popular demand. Uh, I've been getting a lot of DMs, Sean, and uh, the people have been talking and they've been on my back about getting episode out. So I thought, what better time now? We finally got something to talk about that's not just made up bullshit that uh, every other reporter seems to be talking about for the last five or six weeks. So. We are back. Shawnee T, how are you going, man? Thanks for jumping on this morning. I'm good, man. I'm good. You're right. The DMs were blowing up. Everyone's been wanting to, to find out when the next episode's dropping. And uh, you're right. We kind of wanted to wait because we knew there was, you know, things were building behind the scenes and we wanted to be able to, to I suppose, chat about it as things started to evolve. And, and uh, as it so happens, the last 24 hours, so much has happened. So we'll jump into that in a moment's time. But yeah, been good, mate. No, been good. It's, uh, it's still, you know, trying to adjust to the new normal, which is a, a bit difficult, but uh, we're both based in Queensland and later yeah. this week we're starting to see some restrictions lift. So hopefully, uh, you know, that starts to provide some, what I want to say, new normality to what's happening. I think so. Well, considering like, it felt like probably a week ago, there wasn't any any um, new word getting out that we're going to be getting back to footy. Then suddenly I thought the hub and all that kind of stuff was this like bit of just media garbage. And then Suddenly, it came to fruition that it could be a possibility, but you, you can see like the the wheels starting to turn a little bit, and um, that I saw like the government was going to like ease restrictions this weekend, possibly on Saturday in Queensland. So uh, we've been doing it, doing it all right up here in uh, in Brizzy Town. Uh, I've pretty much it's been gaming and training. That's all I've been doing. Me and Kidding Coleman, my housemate, obviously my teammate as well. We've been just doing our training loads running three times a week, doing the gym upstairs, which is, you know, make-belief gym type thing. It's just like a few dumbbells and I guess like an RDL, like which I'm remaining deadlift. We've just been doing that for the last few weeks. So, yeah. Um, How's it been sort of changing up that weights program? Because I, I spoke to a couple of the boys and, you know, for the first few weeks, you know, you're trying to adjust to it. You build a bit of a plan. You, you know, you've got some momentum because you're trying to attack it, you know, still. And then, after a few weeks, you know, the motivation starts to dip a bit. I mean, have you kind of found that even with your weights training? I found it with basically everything. Like my diet and all that stuff's the same. Like I don't, I don't put on much fat regardless, but my, my diet, um, it's been pretty good. Like we still haven't changed that that much, but just things like being able to do all your weight session. Like we, we got obviously a program there to help us with it, but we don't have all the, uh, um, weights and stuff that we need to get through a session. So mm. I do feel like I'm losing a little bit of power on the legs below. Um, trying to get some make makeshift uh, squats and stuff in. So I'm losing a little bit of muscle down there. But um, I, I guess in the first couple of weeks, we'll, we're all still trained together. So we could do, I could go to other people's houses and do that. But I've literally been taking the quarantine serious. So uh, I've just been from home pretty, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope everyone else has, you know, the rip through it and exclusive inside family. We're hoping everyone's obviously continuing to stay safe. These are very difficult times. And, you know, as much as we all miss football, you know, we understand there's there's bigger things at play at the moment. So it's it's good to hear. And I know, we'll, you know, we've been checking in on each other, making sure you, you know, you're obviously uh, staying safe. And and you said pretty much game. And I've seen your Twitter's been blowing <laughs> up because you've, you've, you know, you've taken over AFL Evolution. Is it AFL Evolution? Am I yeah, getting that right? Yeah, AFL Evolution yeah. too. So it is, it is a, it's obviously the number one game for me at the moment. Um, I'm probably the, the biggest streamer in Australia and probably the world for this game. So it's only probably like four of us doing it. Um, but I've, I've actually like... I've taken this quarantine as a um, another avenue to see what I can do post footy. It was a massive eye opener. Like for, especially the, like first couple of weeks, it didn't feel real at all. It was kind of like surreal that we were you know in lockdown mode um, mm. and what what that looked like and what we we're going to be doing for the next few weeks and how long how long it's going to last. That's the hardest thing about being in ISO right now. It's like you don't know what the end goal is or when you're coming back. So 
mentally that's probably the biggest struggle. Um, and in saying that, we just finished our, what was it, like our off-season program, and then we did about a 10 to 12-week pre-season, and then we finally got a game under the belt, which was a shit game, didn't even feel real, mm-hmm. absolutely hated it. Um, and then we just did another pre-season again. So for my body, especially being a 30-year-old boomer, um, it did take a little bit of time to adjust. And I think like the last two weeks has been – Obviously, I'm going to have my up and down days. That's probably natural. Like, some days I wake up, I'm like, fuck, what am I getting out of bed for today? Like, that was pretty much yeah. last Friday. Like, I actually struggled to find motivation to get out of bed and do something. So, you got to make sure you have that schedule down pat. Um, make sure you go to that routine because we're like, we're hour to hour regimented players. Like, we wake up around six o'clock, get to training at seven, get strapped, get prepared, do our meeting, train for a couple of hours, go back to the club, do some weights, another meeting. Um, and then you have like physio, massage, and like extra strength, all that kind of stuff. So to go from that to sitting in an isolated house or wherever you may be, it uh, was a big shock to the system. And, and you get you get used to it. You start figuring out things which works for you and your family. Like I, now I'm doing the schooly, um, school for Chancy Boy at like 10 a.m. every day for a few hours. So I make sure I get up early. Um, Emma comes home from her job. She's been doing some radio station stuff with 90, 98.9 Country FM. Yeah, she, yep. she, she starts at 5 a.m. and then gets back at 9 a.m. with a coffee in hand. So that's that's my uh, green light to get out of bed around that time. So that's, yeah. that's what I've been doing. You, you spoke about, you know, the need to kind of have structure for yourself. But how how... How much has it sort of opened your eyes to make sure that you're keeping that same structure for your kids? Because you know, I know Chancy and and, yeah. and your little girl. I mean, they they obviously, you know, love that structure and routine. You know, being able to go to school and see their friends, and you know, I know that um, in particularly for Charlie, you know, she she's always always around and, and helping. Mm. You know, do the little things at home. But how how important is it to at least make sure that they've got some normality, you know, with their school and sitting down and helping them through that. Cause I just know with helping my nephews, I mean, trying to get him on the iPad, you know, teaching him <laughs> games, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, math games, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Like you, you kind of have to adjust to it for, for their sake as well. Yeah. That's what trying to keep that routine down pat. So Chancey's just started, like they had a couple of week breaks. So I kind of fell um, at a good time, I guess, if you can say that for, for their schooling and stuff. So, I think it's kind of picked it up in the last couple of weeks. So he's been, he's actually really enjoying it. And it's, it's great for me to be able to you know, do the grade one stuff with him and see where he's at because, you know, they go to school every day, but you don't actually really know how they're going until the teacher gives you a call and says, yeah, he's not doing great today. So it's, it's yeah. good to see it firsthand and see what he's like around um, the kind of schoolwork. But in saying that, that's what I mean, like having a schedule and a routine down, um, probably explaining to him as well that uh, what is actually happening was probably like the, the strangest mm. part because it's like that and they're not used to this. Like no one is. So, we kind of said, like, you know, a lot of people are sick. Um, we can't really go outside otherwise, um, you know, you might fall sick as well. So we've got to kind of stay in the house. We've got to play a lot of games. And, like, you know Chancey Boy, he's a, he goes yeah yeah all day, man. So we've got to make sure we get some energy out of him somehow. So got a trampoline for him for his birthday, um, and he's been on that ever since. Smart. But, yeah, but getting 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 it down pat, the, the schedule, and making sure you don't have those hours where they just fly by and you're like, what the hell do I just do? So that's how's the uh, how's parent teacher not going to go in a couple of weeks time? Ah <laughs> uh, man, to be honest, uh, well it's only going to be me and Emma hosting the meeting probably. So <laughs> depending on where the restrictions are at, um, I don't see him going back to school anytime soon. Yeah, so look, so much has happened in the last twenty four hours. We've started to see you know media reports coming through from the Herald Sun, from the Age, AFL.com.au in regards to a, a conference call that was set up from the AFLPA. You know, we, we've seen those reports come through. 
you were on the call, you know, alongside every other player. So, so we we should jump into it. It's only right, you know. You you sent me a message last night saying we've got to do the episode <laughs> this morning because so much is about to drop. So, look, I, I want to ask you first. I mean, what what was the the intent behind the call, and and can you give us just some background into it before we really delve into it? Yeah, so we got the we got the message from Marsh in the AFLPA um, probably 24 hours beforehand saying we've got a pretty big meeting tomorrow, boys. Um, all AFL players, if you can get on, uh, jump on because there's going to be a lot of information to take over. And being an AFLPA delegate, we had uh, the obligation to make sure we get the boys on and uh, get that going because when they call for all the players, you kind of have a feeling that it's going to be some big news. And, you know, we've seen the reports of all the hub stuff and um, yeah. NRL returning, I think, uh, pretty soon. So... We can feel that there's pressure on the AFL or just um, in general to try and get this uh, going and what it takes to get it going. So I had the had the feeling that it was going to be about the hub. Um, they were straightforward with us and the AFL are probably going to split, potentially split yeah, this so, up. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of just detail what the report says and you tell me if this is accurate or not yeah, okay. um, based on obviously what, what we're kind of hearing in the mm-hmm. last 24 hours. So there's talks around that, that we would look to have two potential hubs um, with the with the first hub um, involving eight teams in one location, ten teams in another, uh, and potentially broken across two phases, is that is that the the um, I, I suppose near accurate to what's been reported? Yeah, so we, we had a, we had a chat about um, what that looks like. So they want to get a, the hubs going, you know, late June, early July, probably mid July. Um, as you mentioned, that's like eight teams in one location, and it's it's kind of resort living. So. Um, not knowing where they're going to put it in what state. We didn't talk about that at all. We're just talking about in terms of the players forward against it. Mm. So 30 to 32 players will come to the uh, the, the resort start type setup um, and the other players who aren't chosen from the teams will still be at home type thing in their self-isolation. So they'll still be required in case of injuries and all that kind of, kind of stuff. But that's that's definitely true. Um, and then the other 10 teams will be in another hub somewhere in Australia um, playing each other. Then they'll figure that out. They, they mentioned that uh, in, in between the second phase, that's when that's that's when it will all be kind of set in stone. They'll, they'll probably choose that um, mid first phase. That makes sense to see where it's, if it's going to happen or not because you don't know how it's all going to go. There's so many um, rules and regulations around it, getting tested mm. every second day and all that kind of jazz. So, so so when you say resor- resort um, style scenario, so just just to give clarity to to our listeners and 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 everyone who's going to be watching this if you're i think one of the the locations that's been speculated is queensland particularly mm-hmm. the, the the gold coast so let's just hypothetically sort of utilize that as as an example if you're a brisbane place player as as you are are you allowed to stay at home um despite given the fact that one of the hubs could be in queensland or would you be required to uh, position yourself in one of those hubs, obviously being on the Gold Coast or Brisbane alongside every other player that's travelling into state. Now, this is this is full-on quarantine. Um, it's going to be an eight-week eight week, uh, hub, the first one. Obviously, the first three weeks are going to be pre-season. So you can only train in the first week or so. You can only train with two players. And then they'll probably up that to six players, re- seeing mm. how everyone's going. So the, the thing is, like, if I'm in Brisbane and the hub's down there, I have to go... Like quarantine myself in the hub with every other player and the eight, the eight mm. other the eight other teams as well, um, and we can we can't leave. The only reason you can leave is to get an MRI or to go to training or to go to actual play. So my partner and my kids can't come down and visit me, um, and I can't leave to visit them. So that's that's where the massive pushback was. Literally, when they said that, um, a lot of the players, especially big dogs who were very vocal, 
um, in saying that that's not going to happen. The players, especially with the families, um, they're, they're not going to say yes to possibly or potentially being in a hub for 10 weeks straight, then a week off and then uh, another 12 weeks straight. So that's including finals. It could be 21 to 23 weeks all up in a hub, which is you can't ask any I – don't, I don't care what job you have. You can't ask anyone to do that um, on the back of so – l- l- Let's get into that though. So there had been some speculation that families would be able to travel with players. Um, we, no, we didn't know at all. Like, so from the first discussions, this was our first discussion with like actual official chat with AFLPA. Like we've seen all the media yeah. and stuff and you've seen a few big name players come out and say, look, they've got families, they, they wouldn't do it. Um, you can't expect, especially with families um, and young children who are probably self-isolated right now, not going to school, don't have daycare, their partners could have moved. I saw Phil Davis come out and said he, he couldn't he couldn't put that pressure on Sam Jacobs who just moved from Adelaide to uh, mm. to Sydney with his with his partner and child and has another one on the way I'm pretty sure or he might have just had a baby so that's yeah. that's the type of things where you can't expect players to do that um, and I, I couldn't imagine myself going down to um, say for the Gold Coast and doing it 21 weeks away from my family I just, I just couldn't do it like mental health and well being that's just the first thing that would just flag flag for me you, I just I don't know. I, I struggle sometimes yeah. going away on the weekends from uh, the family alone, going for twenty-one weeks straight. So I couldn't. I couldn't expect my partner to be able to carry that load. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you're not the only one who who raised concerns. I think in in one of the reports that I read that, and as you articulated before, there were some players from teams that that did make their their concerns known during the chat. Um, yeah. What was it as vocal as what we're hearing? If the big name players in a competition who you know put bums on the seats and make people tune in to watch, if they don't want to do it and they don't want to go, then I dare say that. It's not going to happen. So we did do a survey at the end of it. So that's obviously going to be used and see how that goes. But if you see the players um, who have already come out publicly and said they don't want to do it, um, if they don't want to do it, then it's fair to say that that won't happen and now the players will follow. Yeah, obviously you've got your own teammates, but you've got friends around the league, which I'm sure you guys have had conversations overnight. What what, what were some of the conversations or the feelings that you had with just the players that you've spoken to? You know, you, you spoke about during the conference, there was some angst around what was obviously, you know, sort of being proposed in terms of where, where, the, where the current thinking's at, but the players that you've actually had a chance personally to speak to overnight, what were what were the conversations that, that you can kind of give us in terms of how they went? No, I haven't really spoken to anyone. Like, it's kind of waiting for to see what happens next because we the survey will kind of be the big uh, deciding factor of what actually happens. I think it's like it's a, I might be seventy five percent or higher need to uh, to pass something. Um, so I haven't really spoken to anyone. Last night I obviously played um, AFL Evolution with Lockie Neal and we had a um, lot of fun with that. But from from what it seems is like we kind of find out when everyone else finds out um, at this moment, and we've obviously had our a meeting with the AFLPA who represent the players and that went for a couple of hours. So that was a big chat. Mm. Um, and then the survey on top. So we'll, we'll see where we're at. The questions were, uh, you know, based around what's it look like in terms of how long do you think you can do in quarantine? What was the biggest factor that you'd be against it? Would you do it? Um, all that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of how it went down. But I don't know. I, I'm confident that Something will happen and we'll play again this year. It just depends on how long it looks like we're going to do these quarantine hubs for. And obviously, I wouldn't even bother talking about anything else to do with um, the quarantine hubs or whatever if we can't have families in there. It's That's the deciding factor. And there's a lot of, a lot of families involved. And um, if we can't get any of those in, in the hubs with us, I, I, I dare say it's not going to happen. 
Yeah, did, did they speak on on why there may have been concerns for for families um, being involved in in the process? Is it the logistics? Is it cost? Is it just the the sheer volume of people that families um, with the inclusion of families would would obviously have? Uh, did they give any reasons or any indications as to why there there is a preference to to not have families included? You got to understand in these in these chats, there's five hundred players, and there's, there's the chat on the right hand side is going off its head. Um, mm. So I'm sure like they'll get the questions and the answers back to us in due time, but. From my opinion, I feels like it's um, we did speak about the AFL are pushing back on the family aspect of that for this, and the players literally just said, "Look, if the families aren't involved, then it doesn't look like it's going to happen." Yeah, absolutely. So, so as of right now, can you see the season going ahead in, in in any form? I don't see it happening. If if the family aspect isn't given the green light, and we can't have them involved in the hubs, players will stand down. I saw that article last night. Players will um, say, "No, I'm not doing this," because 21 weeks for is just too difficult for families, and you can't really ask people to do that, but. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. Like honestly, it's just going to it's, it's fresh for us, and it's in it. Like we only found out yesterday what what the potentials are, and um, yeah, at this point in time, without without having families involved, I don't see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak on the the um, the notion around the ten percent in the pay increase for those who may not have the the the, the foresight or the insight in terms of um, I suppose how the, the the pay agreement works, given the the agreement that was put in place between the AFLPA. And the, the AFL, um, because, you know, we are hearing that obviously a lot of this comes into the, the increases in pay. Uh, can you just give us some insight into, you know, what that actually looks like? Yeah, so we obviously agreed on um, some financial percentages of what's going to happen if we do play games. Um, we were aiming for 17 games this year on the back of all this stuff going down. The only thing is with that, if we don't play games this year, the AFL is going to be a bit of strife for the next couple of years trying to, trying to get this money back, and that could damage uh, a lot of the income for a lot of players and there's already financial hardships being set up for players who are struggling at the moment so uh, you're going to see a lot of aspect of some players wanting to do like do whatever it takes to play games and you're going to see um, the ones who are probably a bit more comfortable and the ones who have family and uh, bigger picture type scenarios who might uh, say let's just uh, hold off on this till we see what's going on it's going to be a tough one like we're all kind of sitting on the edge. We're, we're getting the information as everyone else does. At the moment, we're not playing footy. We're training as we are, get a call up as soon as possible and we'll make sure we're ready to go for the, you know, for the community, for the people who want to watch footy. We're making sure that we are staying fit, doing our running, what we can within the rules and the guidelines of the, uh, the governments as well. So we're just waiting for the phone call to say, look, this is what's happening. Um, do you want to play or don't you play? That's, what I'm, that's, what, that's, that's how I see it's going to go down. Yeah, look, it's really interesting. And and again, you know, we've seen so many reports, you know, in the last sort of 12 hours about this meeting and the fact that, um, you know, you've been able to shed some light given the fact that you were part of the call, um, you know, no doubt is going to give so much you know, insight to, to our listeners and to everyone watching um, the, the chance to better understand the circumstances because these are really difficult situations. And yeah. look, I think this isn't easy for anyone. You know, this isn't easy for the AFLPA, the fans, the game, uh, the AFL. Um, it's a really difficult situation that everyone's trying to navigate through. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I guess from our point of view, we just want to make sure that you know, players aren't going through mental health issues to try and just get the footy going just because we need to get it going. Um, the, the biggest thing here to take away is just the family aspect. That's that's what I took out of yesterday's um, video chat. And I dare say that's just going to be what's going to be the deciding factor if we're going to play or not. Um, so... You'll see that, uh, I guess, being in the headlines for the next week or so. I don't know when the due date is for all this stuff because, um, you know, late May or late June, early July is still, you know, a couple of months away. And 
The, the thing that's putting pressure on all this is, well, how's the NRL starting to play? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was May 21st. Was that, is that right? Did you see that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Late May, anyway. I saw late May, yep. Late May. So that's, that puts pressure on um, not just AFL, but um, the community in general, because how are they playing rugby when people might be still self-isolating? It doesn't make sense. And, and I guess unless they're doing hubs and whatnot, um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking at the NRL potentially having two months of, of, of play before the AFL resumes. And, exactly. you know, we're certainly not dismissing the, the, the protocols that the AFL's following because they're, they're absolutely doing everything the right way. And I'd rather that. I'd ra- I'd, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather be safe than sorry in terms of because if we try and do this now and we don't have all the right information and we, we get in these hubs and someone gets sick and they, it, it, you know, it passes on to, you know, say mm. 20-something players and you know, the, the reputation of the AFL is kind of tarnished and the, the fairness of the competition is you know, gone out the window. So you have to, I guess we can see what the NRL does with what they're doing, but I don't want the AFL to rush this. As much as I want to play fucking tomorrow, I just don't want to mm. have to rush this and then we, you know, you go back another step and then the season's cancelled. So fairness and the health and safety of the players is obviously number one here. And don't forget, we've got all these staff who we need to look after as well. So I saw like we can only have 20 support staff on game day, which is... Mm. That's not many people. That's a couple few yeah. coaches and a few masseuses probably and physio and doctor. Like it's there's not many people at all that's gonna be in those hubs. So I don't oh, know, man. It's yeah. it's it's crazy times at the moment. I've never I've never expected to go through this ever in my career, let alone my life. Um and it's it's you know, I want to play footy because it's my two hundredth game this year. I just want to get a couple of games out so I can have a crack at that. But yeah. I don't know. It's 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 actually very interesting to be a part of and um Although I want to play straight away, I just don't want to rush it. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to look back on this time in, oh. in 15, 20 years, two years' time and go, Aren't geez, how did, how did we navigate through this? Um, you know, and it is going to, you know, dictate the future of the game. So it's really important that these conversations are being had and, and that everyone's trying to take an open but reasonable mind. I think that's the, the thing that we need to be pushing because, yeah. you know, we don't want games to, to resume and, and under unreasonable circumstances. So, you know, the, the, the players need to be protected, the fans need to be protected, and, and so does the AFL in general. So, look, they're, they're not easy conversations and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly glad I'm not the one making them. Um, but it, look, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes from here. But what, what we were actually talking, we're, we're going to try and do more of these. Um, and, you know, we you know we've said that in, in the last couple of weeks, yeah. but obviously just with the way things have been sort of progressing, we're, we're really keen on, on sort of doing potentially two or three of these episodes a week. So we're really keen to sort of put it to the floor and, and allow uh, the listeners and, and viewers to, to give us their take and, and kind of see um, whether this is something that we could potentially do at a particular time, live stream it like we did last yeah. time and allow people to be in the conversation because uh, I think that was quite well received last time. Yeah, I think as this um, for me getting probably on my end more so than um, yours, I think just getting, getting the normality and getting my routine down. Obviously, this gaming things to... Starting to do very well for me, and you know, I, I did get a little bit flat. I'm not going to lie to see all these um, randoms pop up and start doing a lot of media, um, starting their own podcast, their the social media. Oh, that is that is yeah. It, it was kind of it kind of frustrated me and turned me off a little bit. So now <laughs> now you can see the cream always rises to the top. You see you see they've already already died off. Um, they were trying to do that for a little fad and get going, and, and it did piss me off. I'm not going to lie. So I don't know why. It's just you know even like. I was speaking to Dill Buckley a fair bit and talking to him about it, and you know he's been doing really well for him. And I just I took a different avenue. I just want to um, focus on my gaming and stuff. But we are back. I am going to do this because AFL Evo is doing well, and I thought what better chance yeah. than to do a little bit of rip through it before that. So I think live, I think live episodes are the way to go because you get a lot of people involved um, in, on that aspect. But 
No, I I am I am finally uh, starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it feels weird because you know a week ago, even a couple of days ago, I was like, when's it going to be um, time to get back into the real stuff? Um, I even messaged our head of fitness and said, look, give me a different program because I'm sick of sick of doing mm. these laps. Getting down to Cooper by myself with Kitty and Coleman and running those laps is um probably the most depressing thing I've done in a long time. So, no, nah, it, it's good. It's good. Hopefully, everyone appreciate this episode. Um. We probably do, we probably do have one more thing to talk about, and then we yep. can we can jump off probably the draft age, which has been a big um, talking point yeah. I've seen before, and uh, this came out. So, what, what's your mm. what's your thoughts on that? Um, I'll, I'll give mine in a minute, but just on the outside looking in, what do you think the the reasonable age for the draft is, um, considering it's been you know eighteen for a long time? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I actually I've got a bit of a reverse um, mindset to this to, to most people. I know that the the speculation, and we bring this up because there's speculation that. This could be the perfect time to increase the, the draft age to from 18 to 19 um, and allow for for juniors to have that, that extra year after year 12 to, to further develop themselves as, as AFL players, uh, sorry, future AFL players before jumping into the system. But we don't have a college system like they do in America where, you know, we've got these amazing um, development programs around America like they do before they actually go to the draft. They nominate on draft night. Everyone knows who the players are because yeah. they've, they've played college football or college basketball through the NCAA competitions. We don't have that. So my view would actually be to, to allow the draft age to continue to be 18, but I would rather see players have to spend a minimum period in the game, whether it's three, four years at a minimum for development purposes and and keeping them at the same club. So whether you actually, instead of um, having the, the uh, draft uh, contract uh, be a minimum of two years, whether you actually make it three years um, to actually allow for players to develop in an AFL system because they're, they're the best place for these players to actually develop is under the watchful eyes of AFL coaches. Um, and, and my view would be, that, you know, the, the ex, ex-players who go into coaching put them in the grassroots, put them in junior football programs um, to allow that development to continue to be placed. But I would actually keep it the same and actually allow for for the game to have them as rookies um, longer, you know, instead of it being two years, have it three years. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of things around that as well in terms of um, having the next crop of players come through if you get a lot of injuries up or higher. Because a lot of these teams are planning for the future. So if we, if we drafted last year and we want to kind of rebuild, as you say, it would be a lot harder to do that in terms of, Bringing the youth through the through the system, um, and you know, getting those games into the younger players, which which fast tracks their development in some cases. But I I, I agree that could be a good work, good way to go about. It. I saw something on the I think it might have been on um, Fox Footy or Herald Sun or whatever that was. A little shameless mm-hmm. plug for them. But I saw like keep, I, I thought keeping the age at um, nineteen. So given a given the year for players to develop um, off off field and experience what the rule off is like. Cause for me, I got drafted as a 19 year old or turning 19 that year. Um, and I had, a, I had a year outside of, you know, schooling a couple of years prior to that. But a lot of these kids have so much stress going on in their, in their life, in their year 12 studies to then think back on the draft. Like I see, I mm-hmm. see players that are still um, doing like their exam stuff on uh, the, the the draft camp around that time, and that's probably the most stressful time in a player's career is draft camp, doing all these interviews with coaches and teams, um, trying to make sure you get the best PBs in everything you do. Like that stress is next level. That's probably like the highest thing. Like I was thankful because I was injured. I had a I think I had a calf niggle, so I didn't do much. Me and Dan Beams are sat on the sidelines and chewed the fat for a good couple of days. But <laughs> I, I think I think make the draft age nineteen um, with a special factor of uh, picking up a, a eighteen year old who could potentially be um, you know number one draft pick or whatever. So 
not delaying their their start to their career, but I think one like every team can have one star player they can draft, and then um, they can kind of pick up players to have them a year in the have a competition and have a have a like an under nineteen, I guess uh, what do you call it a competition where they all play each other, and they can kind of do that and then have a lot of insight into what the next draft of players are coming through because as we talked about before that. You don't know anything about the players until they get drafted to a club, and then you start focusing on who mm-hmm. they are and um, how they how they play and all that kind of stuff. Because our own carnival just sucks. Like it's yeah, that's the, well, plain the, simple. The, to me, to me, the closest thing you could get to a college system uh, in 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 our game would be to actually have the the rookies be on three year deals, but the yeah, first okay. year of their contract, um, they can only play NEFL, VFL, sample mm. or waffle. So that by the time they're in their second year, they're eligible to play AFL. They've spent a year developing um, in a state league uh, under the eyes of AFL coaches. People have an idea of them. And if you've got, you know, a a first-year player in Noah Anderson who's just dominating, um, you know, the, the NEFL, everyone's yeah. going to be looking forward to him making yeah, his debut in his second year. So that would be the closest thing that I could see us getting to a college system where players – uh, will actually be known before making their debut. That's a good point. Yeah, I actually agree with that. In, in terms of, I guess the only the con of that is if you know you got these superstar players who couldn't play in their first year, then get injured and their career goes down the shitter. But that happens regardless mm. when you think about it. I've seen plenty of players. Sean Rusling is a big one for me. He's I played on him when I was what under well, I was playing VFL when I was like 17, 18. I played on Sean Rusling, kicked four goals on me in the first two quarters, and I was like, I'm not that good. Um, and then <laughs> I didn't know who it was, and then he, he ended up you know. Being ravaged by injuries and stuff, he played for Collingwood mm. and he didn't make a massive career out of anything. But it's just one of those things that you don't really know players until they start dominating. And I guess if you give them that avenue to play in, in a in a year and then in the reserves, um, you kind of put that little hype about them, little hype train that gets going. But yeah, I know. That, that I, I, I think I think we should change it. I think we should change the draft. Like, um, and if you're gonna do it, fuck, it's this year to do it. Oh, absolutely. So, so my thing is, and if you do it, just make a decision and, and, and just go get it done. Well, no one's going to care. Yeah. No one's going to care. You can do what you want this year and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like it's yeah. it's already tarnished. I'm going to say. So, <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. A lot of people don't like me saying that, but it feels like it's a little bit tarnished. Even though we're, we're going to play to win regardless, it feels like oh, just for me personally, it's just been a whirlwind of the last couple of months, and I just don't know where that's at. Absolutely. Well, look, it's going to be interesting and, and we're going to continue to watch this unfold and, and we're going to be back, you know, as I said, we're, we're going to be uh, lining up a few of these episodes. We'll, we'll allow people to know when they're going to drop. So um, we'll continue to monitor the situation, but it was good to chat, mate. And it's good to kind of see that things are progressing, albeit it's it's, it's been a very difficult 12 hours for, for you and the rest of the players around the league as you start to come to terms with what these proposals could look like. But, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're, we're a step closer towards football resuming. 100%. And I will give a little sneaky. We are uh, having a chat to a Brisbane Lion legend. And I don't use that term loosely. He's a motherfucking legend. So yeah. make sure you uh, like and subscribe to all our channels because that's going to drop probably next week. Um, yeah. I'll just say he's won a few premierships. Um, and he might have had a couple of concussions that we're going to be asking him about. So that probably gives away. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a massive one. But I do appreciate Sean T coming on. I know you got to jet off in a couple of minutes. Um, I've had about five hours sleep because I was up gaming, editing last night. So thanks for giving me that shit time frame to work with. But That's stay, right, stay with us, uh, Brit Thrill community, because we are going to come back uh, bigger than ever. And uh, we're going to bring you all the news. So thanks, Sean T. Have a great day, mate. Uh, appreciate that, guys. Uh, man. Talk to you soon. Peace.